You're listening to IoT Emerge, your place for conversation and information about the Internet of Things. I'm your host, B.B. Jackson. Our guest this week is Pablos Holman, inventor and hacker. When my co-host T.C. Doyle sat down with him at the IoT Emerge event in Chicago, he asked him first what his concerns about privacy and regulation are regarding IoT. Well, I think a lot of what's going to happen with IoTs is already being played out with PCs and now with smartphones and, and those things. And so we're not at the beginning this time. We've been through all this before. The difference is we know it's going to be at a large scale. We didn't know that the first time around when we started putting computers on a big network. We didn't know what a large scale it would be. And we knew there were going to be problems. And we imagined a lot of those problems. And we were prescient in a way because a lot of those problems ended up being big problems. But like anything else, you know, you have a problem and you have to go fix it. And we've done a whole bunch of that with computers and with personal computers and machines on the Internet. And um, what we're experiencing now with millions of webcams and all kinds of other sensors and things that are online is that they have some of the problems that we already had a long time ago with our PCs. What they don't have is the solutions that we invented for the PCs. And so I don't think it's going to be as bad as people imagine. So a lot to unpack there. Yeah. uh, For those that don't know your background. Sure. You're well known as both an innovator and a guy who creates stuff and also a guy who uh, has been known to be able to take things apart. So give us a sense of your background and uh, where the IoT fits into your life. Well, I'm a computer hacker and I started out on computers when I was like nine years old. I got one of the first Apple computers. And in those days, there wasn't much you could do with a computer that was useful. You had to, all you could really do was hacking. And so I think of it as kind of a learning style. Hacking is more about taking things apart. It's about observing what's possible, figuring out what's possible. That's different than learning by reading the directions. You know, there were no directions for me. I had to figure out what a computer was good for. And, um, we're still doing that. That's fundamentally where new technologies come from. So why does hacking get such a bad rap? You know, if, if well, you think, think about it, yeah, hacking sure. is like fracking. You're putting pressure onto something to get something <laughs> new out of it. Oh, good analogy. Yeah, historically, you know, hackers have been more interested in that discovery process than figuring out positive social implications. <laughs> and so there have been a lot of criminal hackers. Sure. Um, you know, I'm a hacker. I'm not really much of a criminal. At this juncture, though, it seems like the rogue actors and the bad actors are ahead yeah. of... Am I right in that? Yeah, uh, or are they, you know... Or the way I'd, the way I'd say... I what's the scoreboard say look like? I wouldn't say it's solvable, but I'd say it's manageable. Okay. And that's a big difference. Solvable means, you know, problem solved, we're moving on. We're not really going to ever have that experience with computer security, unfortunately. But it is manageable. You know, all the problems that we're having now, you know, the current event is unprecedented large-scale botnet called Mirai that's made up of something like a quarter million to half a million webcams. Now, those are just tiny, shitty computers stuck on the capital I internet, meaning they're addressable. I can talk to them. Yep. And I can try and take it over with the default password. And eventually, hackers got around to figuring out, oh, I just take over a bunch. Once you own a quarter million machines on the Internet, you control as much bandwidth as, let's say, Netflix. 
So the Mirai botnet, which is probably run by a couple of sociopathic kids somewhere, just for fun, decided to take Netflix off the internet last week. <laughs> and they can do that because they can right. send a massive amount of spurious traffic. Help the layman understand yeah. that. So how so here's much an industrial coding is that? Is yeah. that a couple kids in a weekend or is that, no, that's a six-month, well, no, you know, million-line code uh, no, base? No, 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 it's, it's easy. What they do is what's called a denial-of-service attack. And if you read about anything to do with this in the paper, you'll see DDoS, D-D-O-S. That means distributed denial of service. It's distributed because I got a quarter million machines, and what I'm doing is having them all send spurious traffic to Netflix all at once. That's equivalent to going on Craigslist and posting that there's going to be free iPhones at 7-Eleven this afternoon at 2 o'clock. You're going to get thousands of people trying to get into 7-Eleven, and they're not going to be able to sell Red Bull anymore. That's right. That's a denial of service attack. The real question is, What's the fundamental cost to society of Netflix being down for a few minutes? You know, like, what a disaster. Right. You know, this is what we've been envisioning. Uh, horrible things are going to happen when IOTs are put on the Internet on a large scale and they're insecure and hackers take over and they bring our infrastructure to a grinding halt. Yeah, Netflix was down for a few minutes. You know, you're you're a little behind on Modern Family or whatever. and <laughs> So you can't watch life a goes Taylor on. Swift yeah. video for the 18th Yeah, time. and there's work to do. A whole bunch of people have to go do their job and take those. But here's the part that frightens the hell yeah. out of Joe Consumer. Yeah. He, in the light of day, would yeah. acknowledge, all right, you make a good point. Carlos yeah. makes a good point. You know, wasn't that. But the amount of code yeah. and the engineering sophistication to have done that could also be applied to take down Citibank or yeah, right. take down, you know, part of Who's the... Who's going to miss Citibank? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it's You like Netflix more than you like Citibank. We do, so we do. Hard to like Citibank. What's the point here? Okay. I mean, yes, you could go after potentially more relevant targets than Netflix. And yes, that's going to happen, right? But you think about it. This is kids screwing around. Right. Hackers say they do it for the lulls which basically means they're doing it because it's fun. What we're concerned about, let's, let's think of a worst case scenario. Like usually the first one that comes up is we're putting all these industrial systems on the internet. Hackers could break in and shut down the power grid. Right. Okay, so here's what happens if I'm a hacker, right? And I'm sophisticated and I care and I'm going after something important, right? As soon as I get into your computer, I don't shut it down. I hide. I don't want you to know that I'm in there. You'll kick me out and reboot. I hide. And I never expose my position. I stay there and I watch. I hide and I watch. And I watch to see what you do. And I watch for something tradable. Because that's the most powerful thing I can do. To your point, from Target to Home Depot to everybody else, the hackers were in there months. Yeah. if I Hackers are in everything. Statistically, your computers are owned already. It's just a matter of time before somebody figures out some way to capitalize on that, right? It's not a security problem. It's a risk management problem. Okay. So to some extent, it's similar to privacy. We're just kind of hiding in plain sight. Yes. Okay. So then let's shift gears. We're at an IoT event, and everybody wants to be the disruptor of everybody else. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of another conundrum there. Who's the last man standing in this dominoes of everybody's getting disrupted? Well, the last man standing is probably the disruptor. And the good examples are are right in front of you. You know, always Uber gets cited as disruptor. 
how many taxi companies could have made an iPhone app to call a cab? Thousands, any of them could have done it, but none of them did. Instead, they all go to City Hall kicking and screaming, complaining that Uber is taking their business, right? That's what you're looking for. You're looking for something like the taxi industry that is risk averse, that has an artificial monopoly, that's averse to change. And what you want to do is go re-architect that industry from the ground up. So this disruption, though, does more than just disrupt the flow of economics, yeah. commerce. This is also influencing, you bring up the Uber, it's also influencing the regulatory framework. We're going from du jour regulatory oversight, meaning the government is now looking at those individual cab drivers, yeah. managing the medallions issued on the street, yeah. to private enterprise de facto. Crowdsourcing is rating the drivers, and Uber itself is supposed to check their security clearances. So is that a good thing? Because this IoT changes more than the money. It also changes our regulatory and other yeah. industry or other societal pillars. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ideas about this. Where I come from, fundamentally what we believe is that the government should do as little as possible. The government should only do what only the government can do. And this is fundamentally what I believe about computers and robots too, which is they should do what they're good at. And humans should do what they're uniquely good for. We should not be paying humans to do things that a robot can do better. And humans shouldn't be wasting their time doing you know, too much Netflix instead of solving the problems that humans could solve. Okay, so you, yeah. you're touching on a great topic. Oh. So at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival, yeah. there's a documentary about education. Okay. In it, the Jeopardy champion, Ken Jennings, yeah. tells his story about going on, taking on IBM's Watson cognitive right. computer. He thought he was going to beat the machine. Uh -huh. He knew that the forerunner, Deep Blue, kicked Gary Kasparov's ass. Yeah. But he thought, you know, single application, multi-subject knowledge, I'll kick this thing's ass. And he's yeah. telling this anecdote in the documentary. Yeah. He gets up there. That thing was so fast with the answers, he yeah. couldn't even hit the freaking button. And he said, in that moment, now this yeah. ties into what you were saying, he recognized how disruptive from an employment standpoint right. new AI, IoT, yeah. digitization was going to be. Not just blue-collar elevator operators, yeah, right. blacksmiths are going to get disrupted, but entire tranches of white-collar, yes. college-educated people. Yeah. So, do you so, agree with this premise that this is going to be, this technology is going to be so disruptive that yeah. we're going to see, you know, college-educated white people making six figures, their jobs are going to be. Yeah, free. that's right. But there's some important things to understand about that. First of all, I can't stop it. <laughs> you can't stop it. This is inevitably what's going to happen. A robot is going to take your job. And you got to understand, this isn't really new. We don't employ people to dig coal out of mines or farm anymore. Robots took those jobs a long time ago. Yeah, but you've heard this old song. We've heard this before. Now the yeah. argument is the waves of disruption are coming so much yes. quicker that there's no time for society and key, to absorb those. And so the key aspect is that it's happening in less than a generation. In those cases I described, you could just pay everybody to finish out their career farming and stop hiring new ones. And their kids grow up to be chiropractors or something that didn't exist before. Now what's happening is the change is coming in less than a generation and you're actually going to lose your job before you get time to retire. Now, that is scary. 
And what I think it means is, one, you got to recognize the job that you have now is not something your parents ever could have imagined during their career, right? You spend hours a day poking at a computer almost no matter what you do. Unfathomable to my parents and your parents, right? Now, the job your kid's going to have has not been invented yet, hasn't been created. They're going to have some crazy job like, I don't know, editing videos for Snapchat or something. We don't even know. Right. It doesn't exist. It's going to seem so far-fetched to you that you can't imagine. So preparing them for some world that you understand is pointless, right? They're going to inherit a world you don't understand. They're going to have a job you don't understand. The next thing is 200 years ago, everybody had to work all the time just to survive. There wasn't any such thing as an entertainment industry. We created that because we passed this point where we, we needed the labor, where we needed everyone to work. So what happened is in the last 100 to 200 years, we got to this point where people had free time. So to fill the free time, we created entertainment industry. Now we're at like peak entertainment. There's more entertainment on Netflix <laughs> than anybody needs for an entire exactly lifetime. Right. But when a robot comes and takes your job, watching more Netflix is not going to make you more fulfilled. What I believe it means for you and me and everybody else is that we need to look at the, the, what tra- technology has accomplished. It, we have used technology to solve all the existential problems that kept humans from staying alive. So now we live longer lives, we live healthier lives. We have not improved quality of life. And what that means is no computer is going to actually make your life better. The inner lives of humans are still screwed up. People are still hurting. And when a computer or robot takes your job, we actually need you to work on solving the problem of how we take care of humans. That's it for this episode on IoT Emerge. And that's it for our first season. Join us next season for more conversation and information about the Internet of Things.